brothers. We'll turn back to Genesis 28. Genesis 28. As we've been going through Genesis for quite a while now, we recently saw that Jacob, deceiver, trickster, cheat, he was instructed by his mother to dress like Esau, the firstborn, to feel like Esau, the firstborn, to smell like Esau, the firstborn. The only thing to bring in his hand is bread in one hand and the savory venison of the firstborn of Esau in the other hand. And to only speak what his mother told him to speak. Don't tell about the arrangements you made a long time ago. Hush. Leave that. That's your doing. That's all bondwoman stuff. You leave that alone. You just say what I tell you to say. We saw that. Jacob been instructed from birth faithfully as Abraham faithfully governed his house Isaac faithfully governed his house and Jacob was taught from a young age what the gospel was who God was who man was the seed that was to come singular not as of many Christ was going to come a man was going to come and crush the serpent's head and now you know how old Jacob was about this time whenever whenever he put on his brother's garments and all that do the math about 77 years old. We think he's 17, don't we? That's what coloring books tell us. He's 14 years old, dumb and young. No, he was plum grown. 77 years old. It says in Genesis 27, <clears throat> verse 41, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And he said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Daddy's getting ready to die. And then will I slay my brother Jacob. Soon as daddy's gone, I'm going to kill him. Didn't care that Rebecca was still living, did he? <laughs> Didn't say nothing about Rebecca. He said, as soon as daddy's gone, I'm going to kill him. Rebecca told Jacob to flee to her brother Laban until Esau calmed down. She said, you, you go to him. And Isaac instructs Jacob here in the beginning of Genesis 28, verse 1. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. There's such a headache. There's a headache whenever Esau got married to some of them. And there's a headache. The women of Canaan are loud. Women of this world are loud. God's children, his, his daughters are quiet. Women of this world are mannish. God's women are feminine. You understand that? Women of this world want to be seen. They want their face out there. God's, God's brides, his women, they hide their face. That's painful. That's what Rebecca said. It grieves me. That he's, I can't take it. I just can't put up with another one in this house. <laughs> Send him away. Go have him get a good wife. He said, don't you take a wife. I should not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Seven verse 2, arise. And go to Padnaram, the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty blessed them. He gave him instruction. And then he gives his prayer for him. This is the second time Almighty is mentioned in Scripture. The first time the Lord spoke of himself. This is the first time a man gives this title to God. He ascribes his almightiness. Why? Because he knew something about almightiness. And he said, the Almighty God bless thee. Oh, I hope God saves you just like he saves me. My 77-year-old son. <laughs> Make thee fruitful. Multiply thee. 
that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham. What is that? He'll give you his covenant of grace in your hearts. To thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. Jacob wasn't a believer yet, but he obeyed, didn't he? He obeyed that instruction. What's that instruction? How does that apply to us? This is for another day. I don't think there's any young folks getting ready to get married, but if it's on the horizon, you heed me and come talk to me. Uh, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's just so. Don't do it. Don't go finding a wife in this world. Don't go find a husband in this world if God's done something for you. And I know who I'm talking to. I have. It's been on my heart greatly. I know I'm talking to a lot of married people whose spouses aren't here with them today. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of it. And, and I'll tell you plainly, you that have already done that, God's plain spoken on that too, what to do. Love them to Christ. Love them to Christ. But those that currently are, you can tell with conviction and experience the young people and with tenderness and compassion. Not just God says this, oh, son, don't marry an unbeliever. Go find you somebody that's loved the Lord. and lo- Go find somebody that loved Christ before they loved you. That's good. You ain't going to go wrong. You ain't going to go wrong. That's good instruction. Why? What? Why? What was the purpose of that? A healthy, healthy, wealthy life without woes and troubles? No. For this cause shall man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. But this is a great mystery. And Paul said, I speak not concerning just fleshly things. I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's what he's talking about. Look at verse 7. And Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Panoram. <laughs> he did what he was told. What did Esau do? There was good instruction given, wasn't it? Isaac was God's prophet that day. He was the voice of God sent to speak to his child. And he said, listen to me. Listen, I'm, what I'm telling you is right. You pay attention. And Jacob did it. He did it. Lord blessed him down the road, didn't he? But what does Esau do? Look in verse 8. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, he had already been married to Judith, a Hittite, for about 40 years at this point. Esau had. <clears throat> he saw that it didn't make daddy happy. Then went Esau into Ishmael. Who's Ishmael? The very one that's against Isaac. And took unto his wife, which he had, Mahathel, and the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son. He went and took a child of Ishmael to be his bride. On purpose. On purpose, isn't it? This isn't an if-then statement. <laughs> this isn't quid pro quo. It's just good common sense, isn't it? If you willfully disobey God's word and you butt against it, and you butt against it, God says this, but, 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 and you expect to be blessed by it, God to bless it, you're a fool. You're a fool. If you adhere to God's word, God said this. He said, cry out to me, all you the ends of the earth, be ye saved. I take him at his word. If you believe his word, and follow his word, you can expect to be blessed by it. Now, you, you follow in Proverbs. You can have money and all that stuff and well-behaved children, but that's all you're going to have. You'll perish with those things. They'll burn. But if we get that spiritual meaning of that and, and, and heed his voice that thundereth, Lord will bless that. He will. Now, Jacob arrives where God's voice is going to be heard for the first time in his ears. 
He was not seeking the Lord. You get that? Everybody says, I was looking for God. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say it more sarcastically. I can't say it more plainly. Uh, well, I was out looking at every church there was. I'm going to find God. No, you wouldn't. What was Jacob looking for? He was dodging trouble. Well, my brother, my big, strong, strapping brother is going to kill me, and he can't. Well, get out of Dodge, buddy. And I'm going to go find a good wife that makes mommy and daddy happy. He's going to be good to me, good to deal with. That's what he's doing. It's a, a twofold scramble. He's getting out of trouble and, and going into something better, wasn't he? That's what he was doing, just doing what mommy and daddy told him. Verse 10, and Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. An old man went out in the desert and went to sleep on some rocks. That's what happened. That's what it says, isn't it? There's only one reason why Jacob's out there in the desert alone. There's only one reason why Jacob's out there in this wilderness, away from his home, away from his family, fleeing for his life because of his sin. His deceit, his conniving, isn't it? That's the only reason he's out there. It's the only reason Esau's wanting to kill him. The only reason he's fled, because of his sin. What we are, <clears throat> we're proud, we're covetous, lonely, <laughs> unhappy, uh, depressed, button. And where we are, away from God, under the curse of the law, laws chasing us. Remember, we looked at Esau's the top of the law last time. We're without strength. We can't do nothing about it. We have no help. We're without hope. We're out sleeping on a pile of rocks. That's because of our sins. Our sins have separated us from a holy God. That's important. People's worried to death about everything underneath the sun. You've offended a holy God. That's a problem. You got that? Nothing else matters. Well, what about so-and-so? No, so-and-so don't matter if he makes you hear that. How undeserving and unworthy is Jacob and every one of us Jacobs, isn't it? And we know it. David said that God is just and condemning us, and he's clear when he judges us. It's right. And every man who's an object of God's love and God's grace, we judge ourselves. I don't need no man to judge me. I, I got a new man in me. I know what's right. It's written on our hearts, isn't it? And you know what happens when we judge ourselves? We shut up. Their mouths stop. I was talking to my pastor about this yesterday. I said, how in the world I ain't got a leg to stand on to condemn anybody? You know what I am? Worse than that, you, you know who I've offended? What I've done? I didn't believe God. I had unbelief. That goes to the top of the list. That's worse than anything else. Uh, drugs, pedophilia, murder, whatever you think of, it ain't as bad as not believing God. It all stems from that. That shuts us up. We start stop yapping to everybody else and stop correcting everybody else and stop giving instruction to everybody else because we need to be instructed. We need to be forgiven. We start forgiving everybody else because we want to be forgiven, don't we? And loving because we've been loved. And it justifies God. It shuts us up when we judge ourselves and it justifies God in his righteous judgments against us. Jacob's brought down. He's brought low. There's no possessions. It's cold. 
you don't insulate yourself between rocks, put some newspaper inside your thing, or put some straw down, it's going to pull that heat right out of you. goes from hot to cold, don't it? That's thermodynamics. Learn that in Job, too. Hard conditions. Bed of stone. Bed of stone. That's just sad. That's what natural man says, isn't it? Isn't that horrible? Isn't that sad? No, it's not horrible. That's good. That's a good place to be. Brought to your wits end is the best place you can be. God might speak to you. If he sent a trial, he might be pleased to speak to you. Look at verse 12. Genesis 28, 12. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. On it. The angels of God were going up and down from heaven to this earth on a ladder. There's a way that seems right unto man, and the end thereof is death. Mankind, false religion that will send men and women to hell, says, well, there's a ladder there. All you've got to do is climb it. Uh, no, <laughs> you can't climb it. You're dead. Can a dead man climb Look at a dead person and say, all you've got to do is climb that ladder. Go to Queen England and say, Miss Queen, just climb that ladder. You'll be there. Well, she can't do that. She's dead. We can't either. That's not what it's talking about. This ladder's a person. person. Turn over to John 1. John chapter 1. I make good on this ascending and descending. <clears throat> we looked at this before. We've been in John for a while as well. John chapter 1, verse 45. The Lord called out Philip, <laughs> saved him. John 1, 45, Philip findeth Nathanael, saith unto him, We found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This is God, according to the scriptures. We found him. We found him. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? What are you talking about? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Come and see. Whenever you want to profess to you, Friends and neighbors, and uh, that's putting a lot of burden on me. I know what I'm saying <laughs> from my end. I'll cry about it later. But when you want to have something good and concise to speak to people, to tell them the gospel, it takes the almighty power of God to speak through you to say, Come and see. Come church with me. Come. You don't need to explain uh, and, and have a, a theological dissertation and sit around your coffee table with a Bible open. God won't bless it. He's going to bless through the preaching of the gospel. That's it. But, but, but God says so. It ain't Kevin saying so. God said so. Philip's sitting here saying, we found Almighty God. And he said, I don't believe a word you're saying. That's just two men talking. Philip said, come and see. Come and see. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there's no guile. Wow. That's a statement, isn't it? Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus said, <clears throat> answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. I planted a fig tree not too long ago. You know they don't get that big. So he wasn't standing up, like really stretching it out underneath that fig tree. He's down. Where was Jacob laying down? Wasn't he? Down on the ground. Not uppity and proud. Not up on their high camel. Brought down off that high camel. Wasn't he? He said, I saw you underneath that tree. Verse 49, Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. 
And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said unto thee, I saw you under a fig tree, thou believest? Is that it? You're going to see greater things than me seeing you when I wasn't standing there. Not than, other than He's acknowledging his omnipresence. And, and the Lord said, you're going to see something greater than that. And here's the first, verily, verily. Remember us looking at this? The very first, truly, truly. God Almighty says, pay attention. This is doubly true. This is horrendously important. Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And does that mean that he's going to be standing there and, a, and angels are going to be landing on his head and then flying back up and just a highway angel? No, it ain't this. On Christ, you are going to see all the angels, the servants of God coming and going. They're going to come up and take their marching orders and they're going to go back down and execute it on him. All the blessings are going to come from heaven are going to be on him. All the prayers are going to go back up on him, upon him. You're going to see that, Nathaniel. You'll still be thankful he saw you under the fig tree. <laughs> you want to have Christ revealed to you. Turn over to John 3, just a page or two. The Lord told Nicodemus, <clears throat> he said, you must be born again. <laughs> you're going to see the kingdom of God. You're going to be born of, born of the water. If you're going to enter into these things. Verse 9, John 3, verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? How can that happen? And Jesus answered said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? You've been walking around this town the whole time telling everybody how, how uppity you was and all the stuff you knew, and, and I've read this one and that one, and I know this and I know that, and I'm high up the rankings, and I'm a member of the Sanhedrin. He said, You've been barking these awards you have given yourself this whole time, and you don't know this? This is basic. Seriously. Maybe you ought not be teaching in Israel. Hmm? He said, you don't know this? Thou art a master of Israel. Knowest all these things? Verily, verily, truly, truly, of a truth, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know. You think these things. You read them in a book. I know it. And I testify we've seen. And you receive not our witness. I said, you've got to be born again. You don't get that? You didn't receive it? If I've told you earthly things... That's what's going to happen in your heart. And you don't believe me? How should you believe if I tell you heavenly things? All these wonderful things to come. That's what he told Nathaniel. And no man hath ascended up to heaven. What did that ladder do? Ascend and descend is what the spirit of the angels of God was doing on it, wasn't it? He said, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now you mean to tell me, God Almighty walked this earth, and he was fully man. Yep. He was made like his brethren. He was made like us because he had to be like me to be my substitute. And at that same time, it was as if he was not God. He was 100% man. At the same time, he was completely God, as if he was not man. He was in heaven because his father heard him always. Yes. How is that possible? Something had to span a great gulf, didn't it? Something had to be touching earth and touching heaven at the same time. And you're going to have to see the Lord at the top of that. You're going to have to see him above you. You're going to, have to be down low, laid down, and see him high and lifted up. Look at verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. How are you going to have eternal life? Climbing that ladder? He said, ain't nobody went up it but the one that came down it. <laughs> 
He's going to have to get underneath your miry pit, pick you up, and carry you up that ladder. So it's going to have to happen. We're going to believe him. Believe him. And back in our text, that ladder is Christ that Jacob saw. Genesis 28, verse 13. That, that word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He came down to here, didn't he? That ladder didn't spring up out of the earth. It was there between earth and heaven. And he was full of grace and truth. And he was in the form of God and thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Why wasn't that a, an, an emerald-encrusted staircase? It's a ladder. That's a carpenter's tool, isn't it? He said, I'm a ladder. He said, Behold, verse 13, Genesis 28, 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it. The Son of Man must be lifted up. God must be exalted. We must ascribe glory to him, strength to him. See him as the holy God, isn't he? That's what Isaiah saw. He said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up. And his train, the things that declare his glory, it just filled the temple. It's all over the place. Above stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. The twain covered his face and twain covered his feet. And twain did he fly. And they cried one to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That includes ladders. Stuff that's not appealing to men. Like, oh, that ain't good. Maybe they could have a, a hovercraft. <laughs> a ladder. He's the ladder. That's what those angels, those servants, Lord, ascending and descending. Solomon wrote to us, the wisest man, born of Adam, said, Who hath ascended up to heaven or descended? Who hath gathered? That's speaking of the same person. Is that you? I haven't went up to heaven. I ain't come down from heaven. He said, Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? can't catch the wind who hath bound the waters in his garment whose voice sets on the waters <laughs> can you scoop up water in your garment <laughs> who hath established all the ends of the earth what's his name what's his son's name if thou can tell this is precious we know we know his name we know that one standing at the top of the ladder that is the ladder he's all things we know him that's precious that's unique. That is not common in this world. There's a remnant that knows it. Christ is the mediator. That's the go-between. He spanned that great gulf between man that offended God and the holy God that was offended. He's the only thing between us and him. You better hope he is. He's the firmament. <laughs> that's between us and him. The covering. That's between us and him. And the mediator. Paul told Timothy, he said, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He was in heaven and he was in earth. A body was prepared for him and the Father heard him always. That's who he was. Down in verse 16, Jacob said, it says that Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. Well, he saw the Lord at the top of that ladder in heaven. And he woke up and said, he's right here. <laughs> he's touching both, isn't he? He's at the top and on earth. What does a ladder do? I, want, I strive to be simple. I do. I want to be plain. Children are listening. Y'all need to understand these things. What's a ladder do? It takes things from down low 
up high. And then you go up a ladder and you bring things from up high and you bring them down low. Do we understand what a ladder is? We know what a ladder is, don't we? Blessings come down from where blessings are. Blessings are above. The source of all blessings is above, isn't it? And it comes down the ladder. Christ, he's the conduit, the means, the way. Paul told us there in Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's how they come to us. Well, we're going to take up that ladder. What's the only way a holy God can hear our prayer for mercy? What's the only way a holy God can hear our petitions to be with us and don't leave us to ourselves? What's the only way our praise can be accepted? Wherefore, he is able to save them to the othermost that come unto God by him. There's a means. <laughs> He's the means. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us. That go-between. That one that's between God and man. He's the high priest. That office just represented him. Who's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. That's right. Ladder reaches from here to heavens on it. Higher than the heavens. There's one ladder, and it's unsupported, touching earth and heaven. There's one way. Lord said, I'm the way. Tom said, we don't know where you're going. What's the way, Lord? He said, I'm the way. And then he spoke to his sheep. It was commonplace. Everybody knew in town how sheep was handled. They all knew what a sheepfold was. Everybody knew these things. And he looked at him, and he said, I'm the good shepherd. And he said, I'm the door. Be man's will go in and ask me by me. I'm the door. I'm the way. One of them, one door. There's one ladder. There's one mediator between God and men. Only one way that our praise goes up and his blessings come down. It's through him, isn't it? What are we told? What do we hear when we see the Lord Jesus Christ high and lifted up? When we're brought low, he reveals himself to him, the person, who he is, high and lifted up, and what he's come to this earth to do, the work being made like us, making intercession for us now. We are told of his promises. Do you know that? This ain't just something that happens, you get electrocuted and you're sitting there buzzing for a while. <laughs> Lord teaches his people, they're all be taught of God. He teaches us his promises. The word of the Lord who changes not is what he tells us. Look here in verse 12, Genesis 28, 12. And he dreamed and behold a ladder set upon the earth and the top of it reached to the heaven Behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. Singular. That's the same thing he told Abraham, wasn't it? That, that's the same thing he told Isaac, wasn't it? That's the same thing he told Jacob, wasn't it? God changes not. Gospel don't change. The good news don't change. Verse 14, and, all, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You who know God, through you and our preaching of the gospel, Lord fitly framed us together. We preach Christ and him crucified. That's the only way any family on the face of this earth is going to be blessed. It's through truth. Not through half-truth, not through partial truth. You want half, half a cure? <laughs> through truth. 
Same thing he told Jacob, ain't nothing what he tells us, isn't it? Go into the world and, and preach the gospel, baptize folks, and then teach them. Nothing's changed, has it? What God speaks to Jacob in this verse, in verse 15, is his promise to all believers in Christ Jesus. This is just fabulous. This is fabulous. Verse 15. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. I'm not going to be here and you've got to come to me. I'm going to be with you. <laughs> you see that? You may come and go. I'm going to be with you no matter what. And will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Until I have made you the seed <laughs> that you made like Christ. He says, I am with thee. How is he with him? In covenant mercies. This is a covenant God speaking to him. He said, I'm with you in the mercies I promised you. I'm with you in that grace that redeems and in constant love. I mean, a love that dwells in us. I'm with you. My love is shed abroad in their hearts, he said. We read that in Romans 8, don't we? All things work together for good to them that love God. Not to everybody. Them that are called according to his purpose. He knows he loved before he foreknew, isn't it? He says, I'm with thee. And he says, I will keep thee. There ain't a one that God's chosen, that the Father chose. There ain't one that the Lord Jesus Christ came and bled and died for and was risen for. And there ain't a one who's brought by God the Holy Ghost to believe on Christ that will ever perish. He said, I'm going to keep you. What about you keeping you? You can't keep you. He said, I'm going to keep you. <laughs> if I had to keep me, I'm in trouble. He said, I'll keep you. I'm with thee. I will keep thee. And he says, I'll bring thee into this land. Canaan's just a, a, a picture, a type of heaven, of eternal bliss with, with, with the Lord. Christ, our surety, he's going to bring all of his sheep to glory, to himself, and be made, make them like him. And in heaven, there's going to be plenty of room, <laughs> but no vacancies. We've heard that a lot of him. He ain't going to lose one. He ain't going to be overcrowded. His resources ain't going to be exhausted, and he ain't going to lose one. Every place prepared is going to be occupied for those to whom he prepared it for. He said, they're mine. I ain't going to lose one. They shall come to me. And he says, I will not leave thee until I've done that which I've spoken to of thee. Our Lord shall not fail. You get that? He doesn't slumber and he doesn't sleep. He don't do things halfway. He ain't slack like man is. He ain't lazy and he ain't nodding off. This is Almighty God. He said, I will do it. I will not leave thee until I've done that which I've spoken of thee. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He's going to accomplish that what he's come to do. Verse 16, and Jacob awakened out of his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. I didn't know it. <laughs> What's our Lord say? What's he command? Awake! <laughs> Wake up! You know how people can sleep through that? The power of God's word because they're asleep. I still with Paul Mayhem. <laughs> he got me good. I walked right into that one. He said, how can they sleep through such a thing? Because they're asleep. They're not, they're not awake yet. Oh, that God would show Christ to them and wake them up. Wake them up. Then you'd be like John the Baptist. <laughs> Something's going to happen. You ain't going to lollygag through that one. The Lord's going to do something in power, isn't he? 
And you know what they're going to declare? If God wakes us up, I didn't know nothing. I know people have been saved their whole life. That's too long. That's too long. You remember a time when you didn't know God and you was at war with him? Like, I, I was playing religion, but I hated God. I, I knew facts. I didn't know a person. That's what Jacob just said, wasn't it? He was sleeping on Christ, the solid rock, and he said, I didn't know it. <laughs> he was carrying me this whole way through. I didn't know it. I was dressed up like him. That's how I got that blessing. I didn't know it. I'm 77 years old and didn't know squat. Been in church my whole life. He said, I was right there with him. I didn't know. I didn't know. I never knew. So I was around the truth my whole life. I slept on that rock. The one that the builders rejected, I was rejected. Make a pillow out of it. Just something you wad up and stick underneath your head. Sleep on it. Drool on it. Snore on it. He said, I never even knew. I'm a man of unclean lips. I abhor myself. He realized God, who he was. He saw him. He saw who he was. He said, I didn't know. I didn't know. Verse 17, and he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? That's, not, that's a, it's a dreadful place. It's a horrible place. That's, the Lord's a terrible God, it says. Does that mean he's bad? No. With fear and trembling, we approach him. This is a, the Almighty. That's who Isaac just told him about. He said, God Almighty be with you. And he was. <laughs> and he said, well, this ain't pretend, and this ain't poor little Jesus, and this ain't we're going to clap our hands and sing some tambourines and, and put spotlights up on top of a hill. That's about blinding me last night. Got a tree forest up there and lights. This ain't a party. We're in the presence of Almighty God. He was afraid and dreadful this place. He said, there's none other but the house of God. That's what this is. This is God's house. How do you know this is God's house? That's where God is. <laughs> That's where he lives. That's where he meets with his people. And this is the gate of heaven. It's the gate of heaven. That's why he named that place. There was a heartfelt reverence. There was worship. There was seriousness. There was adoration for the first time in Jacob. And that is life-changing. It's life-changing. Just like Paul, I know your election of God, brethren. I've seen it in you. <laughs> you don't see it. You don't know it. I do. I've seen that growth in grace. I've seen that, that growth in love and more forgiveness and mercy. I know those things. I see it. Verse 17, he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Jacob rose up early in the morning. You know, Mommy woke him up. He's 77. Mommy, come wake him up. She said, hey, get up. You've got to go. Esau's going to kill you. He woke up on his own now, didn't he? He didn't sleep in until noon. He got up early. Why? He was a servant. He was God's servant. Jacob rose up early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon top of it. Lord said, you put that oil anointing. He says, that's mine. Sanctified is mine. And, and isn't that poetic? Our Lord's masterful with words. He invented words. And he's good with them. Jacob went from a pillow to a pillar. Something that wasn't worth just sleeping on to something that he, he magnified God and worshipped a holy God. Isn't that something? Verse 19, he called the name of that place Bethel. The house of God. The name of that city was called Luz at the first. 
Jacob called that place Bethel, the house of God. He called it the gate of heaven. That's what he called it. That can't be a church building. That's not just a physical location. That's what men call the house of God. But this can only be where God actually dwells. The house of God is where God is, where God dwells, and where he reveals himself. The gate of heaven is the door. We know what a gate is? Walk through the gate. Do we know what a door is? What did the Lord say? I'm the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Jacob said, this is it. This is the gate. And he professed Christ, didn't he? He set that stone up, poured oil on it. He says, God did this. God did this. Those who know him profess him. You know that? They do. He said, go in the world and preach the gospel and baptize folks. They're going to profess me in believer's baptism. And whenever you know him and you see him and you see what you are and you hear him say, therefore shall they confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever deny me before men, him I'll deny before my Father which is in heaven. And you'll say, where's that water? (laughs) I'm going to confess him. I know who he is. This is easy. Take Take a Lord's table, bread and water, his broken body. That's what touched the earth. His shed blood, that's what was seen as our covering. What the Lord looked upon. We'll take his table then, won't we? We've discerned his body. We know what we are, why he had to die, that it was my sin that put him on that cross. Left to myself, I cried, give me Barabbas. Crucified. I might have this man ran over me. But God. But God. I was just sitting there asleep on a stone, and he woke me up. Gave me a dream. Showed me his son. Some of you have seen the Lord high and lifted up. Not the fact. You can go ask a stranger on the street and I say, oh yeah, Jesus is in heaven. You've seen the person. Not the theory, the person. Not the, the studying of theos. <laughs> you've seen God. He spoke to you. His voice has come to you. And you've confessed him before men. Jacob had Christ revealed in him, but he was still a sinner. He was still Jacob. He was a young believer. At 77 years old, he was a young believer. He made some mistakes. He worded things wrong. Look here at verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on me. Boy, he's asked for a lot now. He was sleeping on a stone 20 minutes ago. <laughs> now he's like, I need some food. I need clothes. You have to be with me and keep my way. So that I come again to my father's house in peace, I need you to mend all them bridges I burnt. Then shall the Lord be my God. Is that, is that him vowing vows? Is that what men ought to do? Don't you vow a vow. You can't keep that. What's he saying in ignorance? Like that blind fellow. He's a prophet. Well, you, well we know better. We know he's, he's, he's sent a God. And he don't know no words. What's Jacob saying? If, Lord keeps his word. He's going to prove himself to me. He's my Lord and my God. And what's the Lord going to do? He's going to prove himself to Jacob that he's faithful, isn't he? What's he going to do to you? Do we just, we're saved one day and we're perfectly full-grown saints right then? No. God's going to have to prove it to us over and over and over again. Just because we're old don't mean nothing. God's got to teach us because we've got to be little children in his, his kingdom, don't we? And there was commitment, though, total commitment. He's saying, if this happens, the Lord, we my God, that's not what he's saying. He's declaring the best way he knew how to. Because look here at verse 22. He said, and this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. 
This world won't worship him. And of all that thou shalt give me, I shall surely give a tenth unto thee. He learned that from Abraham, didn't he? When Melchizedek came, he said, give him a tenth. How did he come about that number? I don't know. It's probably all lotted off. He said, give him one closest to him he ain't got to walk for. Give him that. Well, that's a tenth of everything he got. I don't care. Give it to him. But <clears throat> I got to thinking those commentaries that are a picture in time. What's somebody's thinking that day? Give him a tenth. That's serious, buddy. Which, if, that's all, if that's all we give the Lord, you just keep it. That ain't nothing. We're under the law. It's nonsense. I got ten fingers. What if the Lord said, give me a finger? Which one you want to give him? A thumb? I play guitar. I need this left hand. I could probably make it without this pinky finger or something. You know, that's serious, isn't it? A tenth. He can have it all. It's his. It's his. I'm going to need some raiment and some food. <laughs> I'm going to need to be with me. I'm going to need to make it through. But it's his. That's total commitment. Total commitment to the Lord. That's what happens. If God saves somebody, it, they went out from us because they, they weren't of us. People can't walk away from the gospel. If, if, if it's good news to them, you can't leave it. You can't. It's impossible. It's against instinct. Because there's a new nature put in them. You was asleep. God woke you up. Showed you Christ. And then promised to you, I ain't going to leave you. I'm going to stay with you the whole way. And I'm going to keep you till you're made just like Christ. That's a good place to be, isn't it? Amen. All right, Brother Mike. Oh, um... We're going to observe the Lord's Day. Uh, Trevor and Cass, if you two would, come hand out the elements.